Welcome to the Chicago Golf Report Podcast, brought to you by ChicagoGolfReport.com, covering everything golf in Chicago. Our guest this episode is the godfather of analytics, Mark Brody. Mark is a professor of business at Columbia Business School and invented the strokes gain method of measuring golf performance. His book, Every Shot Counts, has become one of the most popular books on golf statistics. When did you kind of realize that you had a, uh, a proclivity for analytics? When did you find that you were kind of a statistics, a numbers guy? Oh, probably sometime when I was in uh, elementary school. Uh, I just sort of liked uh, math and, and applications of math and math applied to sports uh, growing up as a kid, like, like many kids, uh, you know, following baseball and, and other sports. And there's a lot of numbers there and a lot of uh, interesting connections between sports and math. And then uh, when did the, uh, the transition from um, kind of the, the world of finance and investing, uh, when did you see the opening and the opportunity to kind of meld that with golf? Well, I uh, graduated from uh, Cornell with, uh, with a bachelor's degree and then Stanford with a Ph.D., and then I took an academic uh, you know, professorship appointment at Columbia Business School. And as you mentioned, I was doing research in quantitative finance, financial engineering for quite a few years. And I'd always been a, uh, you know, a, a golfer in my, in my spare time and always uh, had in the back of my mind that there is an opportunity to apply analytics to the game of golf, but it was on the back burner for, for years. And then I finally, you know, started, you know, seriously thinking about it again and, and doing something in, uh, oh, probably 2000, 2001, some, something like that. And so it was being able to uh, combine sort of, you know, two passions, my you know, professional interest in, in analytics with my personal interest in, in golf, and, you know, the two sort of uh, came together. Now it's been, been quite a few years ago, but it's been uh, probably uh, an idea bubbling around in, in my head since, since high school. Would you say that the culmination of the kind of the concepts that, uh, like you said, were bubbling around in your head uh, was the book, uh, Every Shot Counts? Well, that was more trying to um, take things that I found and and present it to uh, a wider audience of uh, interested, you know, golfers and, and writers and, and coaches and 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 players. But I sort of wrote the book after I had many of the uh, the findings, and I said, "Oh, this may be of interest to to more people." It wasn't sort of the other way around. I didn't. Uh, say, oh, I'm going to write a book and then, then figure things out. I've been working uh, in, in this area for, for quite some time, and it was a matter of uh, sort of gathering the results and, and organizing it and trying to present it in, in a way that others could understand and appreciate. So let's take a step back then. I think one of the elements that you're known for and I think has made such a big impact and uh, certainly on the PGA Tour, but I think is is reaching all golfers now is the uh, the concept of strokes gained. Could you kind of explain uh, what strokes gained is and kind of maybe the idea of how did how did the idea come to you? 
So what it is, I think, is is pretty easy to to explain if if given uh, you know 30 seconds or or a minute. And the problem with traditional golf stats is that they were just sort of counting stats. How many putts did a player take in a round? And that misses a lot of the the right measures of, of performance. So everybody knows, for example, that if you sink a one-footer, that's not the same as sinking a 60-footer. Yet they both count as one putt on uh, on the scorecard if you're if you're keeping track of putts, and that just doesn't make any sense. So the idea of strokes gained is to take into account uh, the shot difficulty or the putt difficulty, which primarily is given by the distance of a putt. So on the on the PGA Tour, the average number of putts from about 30 feet is two. So what does that mean? They have they mostly two putt from that distance, and they have an equal number of one putts and three putts. So the average or the par from 30 feet is about two. So a one putt from 30 feet is going to gain one stroke on the field, and a two putt is going to be average or even with the field, and a three putt is going to lose a stroke on the field. So that's that's pretty pretty simple, uh, and you have to start dealing with fractions or decimal numbers when you go to other distances. So the the average number of strokes for a pro golfer to hole out from eight feet away on the green is 1.5. So one and a half strokes because they one putt half the time and they two putt half the time and they almost never three putt. So sinking an eight footer gains a half stroke on the field and missing an eight footer loses a half stroke on the field. So you can see that a one putt from eight feet gains a half stroke. A one putt from 30 feet gains a full stroke. So even though they both count as one putt, if you're keeping track of putts, they're very different performances that uh, strokes gained will uh, uh, reflect in in the, the strokes gained calculation. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And, and you you took that a step further, and now it's strokes gained basically throughout the entire course, correct? Exactly, and you can you can measure strokes gained on approach shots, on short game shots, on on drives, and it's the same idea of measuring performance relative to a benchmark. And we all know a good shot when we see it. So, if a player is 180 yards away from the hole and knocks it onto the green in 10 feet, that's going to gain strokes on the field. And if a player is, you know, 70 yards away in the fairway and they dump it in a sand trap that's going to lose strokes because that's, you know, worse than an average shot. So everybody has an intuitive sense of what a good shot and a bad shot is, and good shots are going to gain strokes on the field, but in a fractional uh, way, and, and poor shots are going to lose strokes. And that has a great advantage over sort of counting fairways or driving distance because it's very hard to translate how much of, is hitting a fairway worth in terms of strokes. And you really need to think in terms of fractional gains or fractional losses. So a drive that, no matter pretty much how far on the PGA Tour, if it hits the fairway versus going in the rough, well, the rough is going to cost them about a quarter of a stroke or, or a little bit more compared to an equal length tee shot in the fairway. And so you need to think in terms of fractional gains and losses and how that adds up over a round, which strokes gained sort of allows you 
to do in a way that just counting fairways does not and driving distance doesn't either because that's not even measured in the units that you want, which is, in the end, strokes. And I think I heard you recently on the Fried Egg podcast talk about the idea that the, this concept, which is we talk mostly about the PGA Tour, but the concept is still sort of the same for uh, the, the regular 20 handicapper in, in terms of each shot uh, is either a stroke gain or a stroke loss ultimately. Absolutely. And so the same thing applies throughout all levels of, of the game, and you can do strokes gain for a 20 handicapper, for a 10 handicapper, or a 5 handicapper, and it's a choice of what benchmark do you want to use. So for uh, a 20 handicapper, you can still measure yourself relative to the PGA Tour. It's just that at the end of the round, you'll probably be losing about 25 strokes compared to that high benchmark, but if you wanted, you could compare yourself to a scratch golfer benchmark or... If you wanted to become a 10 handicapper, you could compare your your game to a 10 handicap golfer. And that's sort of originally where I started off. I wanted to know where do the 10 shots come from that separate a 90 golfer from an 80 golfer? And it's very hard to answer that question just looking at traditional stats of fairways, greens, and putts. But from this lens of strokes gained, you can find out that on average, if you know, a typical 90 golfer improves to be a typical 80 golfer. Where do those strokes come from? And it turns out that about six and a half of those strokes come from better shots outside of 100 yards, and about three and a half of those strokes come from better shots inside 100 yards. And that sort of makes sense, and it's 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 true at almost all levels of the game uh, in a, in a general sense. But particular players could be stronger at putting or weaker at driving. They can have their own strengths and weaknesses, but generally that rule of about two-thirds of the gain comes from shots outside 100 yards and about one-third from shots inside 100 yards uh, tends to hold across all ranges of skill, golf skill levels. So I think a, a great example of that is a player that has connections here in the Chicagoland area is Luke Donald in terms of he was a uh, sort of an aberration when he was number one in the world, of a considerably uh, uh, shorter player off the tee, didn't hit the ball as well, but phenomenal short game. Um, so I guess that he would kind of be the perfect example of a person who could find strokes gained using other things other than distance. Absolutely. And I think one of the, the misconceptions, though, about, about Luke Donald is that the notion that he became number one simply because of his putting. And it's true, he was that year and four years before and years after uh, the best putter on, on the PGA Tour, gaining almost a stroke per round. But in order to be number one in the world, he was gaining closer to two and a half or two and three quarters of a stroke per round on the field. So putting, you know, gave him uh, a big part of that game. His superior wedge play and short game shots around the green bought him another half a stroke. But he was also, at that time, a better-than-average driver, so he was hitting sort of more more fairways than average, even though his, his distance was about average or a little bit below. But what most people didn't realize 
when he was number one in the world, he was also number one in approach shots. And that includes all shots outside of 100 yards, excluding tee shots on par fours and fives. He was gaining 1.2 strokes per round with his approach shots. So he was hitting better shots from 125 yards, from 175 yards, from 210 yards, uh, than not only than the tour average, but he was, you know, in the, in the top five in, in all of those categories. So his only weakness was, was driving and he was about tour average, but he was just fantastic, not only at putting and wedge play, but also in his, in his approach shots. And I believe you've uh, corroborated that uh, information with Tiger as well during his day, that it was more than just the, him hitting the, the ball a lot further than a lot of people, but it was also that accuracy that led him to such dominant success. Absolutely. And Tiger is an interesting case because his approach shots were so good for so many years that he would have been in the top ten in the world based on his approach shots, even if he was an average putter, average short game, and average driver of the ball. He was that good with his approach shots. But what makes Tiger so special is he was also a great putter, he was also a great wedge player, and he was also a pretty darn good driver of the ball. And you add that with his, you know, number one ranked approach shots, and that put him more than a stroke ahead of the number two player uh, in the world. So the the gap between, you know, Tiger and the number two was as, almost as big as the gap between uh the, the number two and the number 10 player in the world or the number 10 player in the world and an average tour golfer. It was just uh, uh, remarkable how dominant uh, Tiger Woods was. And it was for a combination of, of factors, not just, uh, not just his putting, not just his driving, not just his length. So um, as, as you might imagine, he was an outlier in, in, in the good sense of the word because he was so good at, at everything. So with a uh, player like Tiger who's gone through multiple instructors throughout his career, do you envision a point, and maybe this data is being collected, where you can measure the impact of an instructor on a player? That's something I've thought about and is so hard uh, to, to measure. I think for, for amateur golfers, you could run an experiment and take uh, two, two instructors and give them a number of players as students and see what happens and, and try and measure the, the impact of, of an instructor. But for PGA Tour players, it's, it's very difficult because you don't have the opportunity to see what would have happened had Tiger Woods had a different instructor. And that's just an experiment you, you can't run. So he, he was such a good player, it's hard to attribute, to figure out how much of his success to attribute to one instructor versus, versus another. And it's, it's just really difficult with, with any instructor and any player at that level uh, uh, to, know, to know what, uh, you know, how, how to make that attribution. One way to see it is suppose you have uh, an instructor that says, you know, I think you would do really well if you made this change to your swing. That's the number one thing we need to work on. And the player says, you know, I don't think so. Let's work on something else. So 
the coach or the instructor might have honed in on exactly the right thing that that player needed, but if the player decides not to do it, whose whose fault is that? The instructor for not convincing him, the player <laughs> um, for being stubborn, who knows? And so that's even within one instructor. You don't you don't really know um, how how decisions about what to practice and what changes to make are are made. So it's it's a really difficult question. I wish. Uh, I, I wish I knew the the answer, but unfortunately, it's I know enough to know that it's really difficult. So, sticking with the PGA Tour, uh, are there any players now that you feel comfortable making a prediction, uh, say the rest of the calendar year, that you think are on the rise based on uh, the data that you're looking at? Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting way way to phrase it because it's it's pretty easy to predict that a, a Jordan Spieth or Dustin Johnson or Roy McIlroy is is going to have uh, a, a good season. It's a question of whether they have one win or two wins or three wins. But when you want to look, um, I think, outside the obvious, um, one player that I think is on the rise is uh, Patrick Cantlay. So he's you know not a name that uh, your your listeners might be might be familiar with, but uh, He's somebody that I think is going to uh, to do very well this uh, this this season. So, staying uh, now with the the uh, so the amateur golf uh, bent, are there any metrics uh, that you typically would tell a twenty handicapper to be focusing on, um, say within the strokes game realm? Is there something that um, and, and maybe we could take a step back, and if you could explain your app, because I think that's probably connected to what you know the route that you would go down. Sure. So, if I didn't know the player, and you said a 20, 20 handicap golfer, the number one area that I would focus on would be uh, shots from about one hundred and fifty yards, because there are such skill differences among amateurs at that range. And there's so many of those shots in a round that if a player can improve from 150 yards, and by that I mean sort of 100 to 175, say, but, you know, around around 150 yards, that would give the player the biggest bang for, for the buck. That's general advice. Um, not to say you shouldn't practice your putting, you shouldn't practice your short game and driving in all parts of the game you ought to, you ought to practice. But the biggest bang for the buck, I'd say, would be for amateurs in the 150-yard uh, range, you know, give or take, you know, 25 yards, maybe from 100 to 175, something like that. But everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses, and in order to uh, tailor the advice to to a player, I'd say what I'd really you know, envision or hope would happen is that players would go to their instructor with a strokes gained report and say, this is where I am now. What do you think we should work on? And then keep track of their strokes gained throughout the, the season to see if the swing change or whatever the, the player is practicing or whatever the player and the instructor are working on together is actually working. Because it very well could be that players great from 100 to 150 yards relative to their handicap and maybe they need to work on their short putting or maybe they need to work on their greenside bunker play. So 
the strokes gained, uh, so that, that's all well and good, but how does an amateur get the strokes gained information? There are a number of apps out there, uh, so I encourage people to, uh, to look at others, but we have an app called Golf Metrics. And Golf Metrics is we design to be very easy for a user to input their shot data to get the most uh, analysis out of, uh, out of the, uh, the app. And so what a player needs to do after installing the app on their phone is just to enter how far away they are from a hole, from the hole on a shot, and whether they're in the fairway, the rough, or the sand, or in, in a recovery position. And to not slow you down when you're, when you're doing this on, on the course, you can take about 10 seconds to enter this information while you're waiting to hit your tee shot, or when you're walking from the green to the, to the tee, so that when you come off the course on the 18th hole, 10 seconds later, basically, you have a strokes gain report. And if you do that after a few rounds, you'll very quickly see where you're gaining and losing strokes relative to whatever benchmark you want. So if you're a 20 handicap golfer, it will also tell you that, well, maybe you're a uh, 10 handicap with approach shots and a 15 handicap driver, but a 25 handicap putter. It says, oh, well, my putting then is, is the relative weak spot. I need to work on, need to work on that. So it's, I think, a, a great tool for, for players to identify their personal strengths and weaknesses, to be able to take it to an instructor. And it also gives you a very good idea of how strokes gain works, because every time you enter a shot or the shot's on a hole, it will show you your strokes gain for every shot. And sometimes it's an eye-opener to realize that, you know, this, this shot that I, that I hit into the woods I'm, I'm losing three quarters of a stroke on, you know, on doing that. Or, you know, these, this, this three putt, I'm, you know, I'm losing, you know, one and a half strokes if you, if you three putt from, from eight feet, something like that. So it, it helps give, give players a, a better sense of, of how strokes gain works and what are good shots and what are bad shots. Uh, you know, every time you hit, you know, a 50 yard shot and you don't put it on the green, you say you see a big negative strokes gain uh, come up, and I think it's it's really good to uh, to develop that intuition and refine it as you go. That's a great overview, thank you, and I think very beneficial for our audience. Uh, I'd like to finish up then with one final question uh, in terms of the work that you're doing right now and golf analytics. What are what kind of excites you? What are you working on uh, that you think can take this uh, this passion that you have to the next level and help uh, define and improve uh, the game of golf? Well, there's a, a couple of things that I'm, that I'm working on. I think the one that would uh, have the most interest to uh, average golfers would be uh, a more detailed analysis of, of strategy and call it course management or decision-making on, on the golf course. And I have a little bit of that in the Every Shot Counts book, but I'm doing sort of a, a lot more with uh, using golf data and analytics to uh, help players make better on-course decisions. And I think there's, there's a great potential there. I think most, most golfers are, are losing strokes just because they're, they're making uh, sort of uh, decisions that 
are sort of against the odds. That if you if you play the percentages that an amateur golfer can gain one, two, three, four strokes just by playing a little bit smarter. So golf strategy is is one area that I've been working on very hard for the last for the last few years. And another relative to professional golfers is looking at performance under under pressure. And I think people have a a, a pretty good sense of uh, who the clutch performers are, but having a more quantitative measure, I think, would be would be fascinating, and to try and figure out who puts better under pressure, who drives the ball better or worse under pressure, I, I think would be uh, would be very interesting to see. This has been the Chicago Golf Report podcast. Visit ChicagoGolfReport.com right now for exclusive discount offers, Chicago golf news, and in-depth event listings.